Paddy. Mate, what was that? Sphinx, I'm telling you, it's trickier than it looks out there. Yeah, right. Because from the grandstands, it did just look like you've been swinging for the fences and cackling like a witch at your own jokes for four years. What was with the hand signal? I was trying to signal Goodrick to bring me out some new gloves. He can't help you, mate. He's chowing down on humble pies. Hawkey's singing sea shanties, and it looks like Jai is so deep in stats, he might drown. Hmm. So he is. What happened to Bardo? Ah, he's got baby spew all over his whites. Uh. He's not going to make it. Any words of wisdom? What's happening out there? Oh, more zip than a Levi's factory. More cracks in the San Andreas fault. Sounds tricky. Just play it straight, Spinksy. No silly stuff. By which I mean lots of jokes, leave the facts to the correspondence, and bloody give them hell, mate. Give them hell. Put your feet up, fellas, and get a few pies in ya. I'm all over it like Maxwell with a cramp. G'day, folks. Welcome to you two for none, your favourite cricket comedy podcast. I am the guest host, Alex Spinks. I am back for this entire summer. I have murdered Patrick and Chris and sent them off to someone else. And snickering in the background is my new guest host. I have Oliver Crump here. Ollie, Hello. Thank you for having thank me. Thank you for joining us. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Along- you were nominated as 12th man by... Our captain, Pat Cullen, he thought you were a great addition to the podcast. So all I can say is don't let him down. The pressure is on. I'm feeling it. I'm hopefully nominated not for my cricketing ability, but... Um... If anyone on this podcast was nominated for their cricketing ability, it like <laughs> Jai Singh, I think, is the only one who can actually play cricket. This isn't any eighth grade Summerhill Cricket Club. Perfect. I mean, it was was lacking in both the bowling and the batting department, but it is a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right, so Ollie, we are here to set up the Australian Test Summer. So we've got a three-test series against Pakistan coming up, which we will talk about in greater depth in this episode. And then we have a two-test series against the West Indies, who famously did not qualify for the ODI World Cup and recently just smashed the absolute crap out of England, which I just wanted to mention that at the very top of the pod. So, Ollie. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Have you listened to much of this? Because Chris Barty constantly mentions that he never listens to this podcast. So I think you've actually put more effort into Two For None than he has in the past. I'm, I'm worried that it might come back to bite me. I don't want to set the bar too high. What do they say? Aim low and avoid disappointment. Um, and that is why you're here. <laughs> so... <laughs> but yes, I, I dabble. I dabble in the podcast. It is good, good, good listening. Well, very good. Thanks for all your glowing words. Right, so we have a test series against Pakistan, which starts in after time of recording in three days' time, opening in Perth. Once again, the Gabba doesn't get the opening test of our yes. summer. Are you excited? Are you middling? Could you not give an F? Where are you? Oh, am I excited? I mean, yes, of course, I'm always excited for for cricket, right? But am I really excited for a, a five-test series against, you know, a formidable opponent to sink my teeth into? Eh. You know, I mean, no, no, not really. And it's 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 because it's not that. I mean, maybe it's selfish, but, you know, after the, the excitement and the adrenaline of the World Cup, we're coming into an Aussie summer with three tests here, two tests there, a couple of ODIs and T20s in the middle, 
and another two tests to to kind of end it. So after the the Ashes and the uh, the World Cup, meh, I'm I'm on the fence. Are you more interested in the Big Bash, which is currently going, or <laughs> are you just like off cricket for a year? Like you've had a big year and you're just going, you know what? I'm kind of done. I'll, I'll talk about it on the podcast for a couple no, of episodes, no. but I'm otherwise done. <laughs> I love all forms of cricket. I, I do enjoy watching the Big Bash. I think just because it's a little bit shorter of an evening and I can feel like I, I am can currently get- watching it now. I, I have KO. There's that name again. Please sponsor us. I got Ko one in the background watching the Hurricanes play the Sixers. I tried. I mean, I tried tuning into the uh, the Renegades Scorchers, and oh yeah, and how that? Go? Yeah, there's holes in the tarp. <laughs> <laughs> well, same. I'm not sure what's happening with the, the the ground stuff around the country at the moment, but they couldn't pin down the um, the covers at in the in the Prime Minister's eleven. And they said they should have put pins down. It must have put the pins through the uh, the Renegades one because <laughs> <laughs> that's where the pins went. They shipped them off from Canberra down Maybe. to Melbourne, the I mean, rainiest place in the country, yeah. and just went, "Oh yeah, just put a couple of pins in there." Look, this is speaking from a place of ignorance, but it doesn't seem too hard. Get a piece of plastic, put it on the floor. <laughs> that's what that's what Michael Vaughan said. He's like, I'm so annoyed with cricket. Is that we know that rain happens, especially in Melbourne. Surely yeah. they could have put another cover. Right, in. put two. You know, safeguard. At least. Hey, let's spoil ourselves. Put three. <laughs> but yes, I'm I'm excited for all forms of all forms of, of cricket. The big bash, of course, I love watching. It's a bit of fun, but if there's a good test that, that like I said, you can sink your teeth into, I'm all for it and then some. Great. So we have Pakistan, and Pakistan are a good team. I think you're you're breaking Adam Hassan's heart here by saying that you're not excited by a formidable opponent, oh, especially no, considering no. the South Africa that visited us <laughs> last test summer. I think you're being a little bit cruel there. Yeah, I'm only here for a few episodes, so I'm going rogue. <laughs> he, he burned bright and he burned fast. <laughs> so Pakistan have got a new captain. Baba Azam has given up the captaincy. He's still in the squad, but they've given it to Shan Masood. Mm-hmm who will be leading them for the first time. I think Baba's last uh, series in charge was back in June, same time as the Ashes, where they were playing against Sri Lanka. And Pakistan, much like the much-vaunted Bazball, were playing an up-tempo brand of cricket in the subcontinent. Mm. What I want to know is, do you think that will work for them here? They're in Perth to start with, and it's not... The Wacker Revolt, so the Fremantle Docker is not going to do much to the piss, so p- pitch. Sorry, so it's not going to be. F- it's going to be flat. It's going to be quick, but it's not going to crack up. Then they're in Melbourne, the most boring of pitches in this country, with their drop-in pitch being flatter than some of those concrete pitches you played on in under twelves. And then they're at Sydney, which can turn often doesn't, so their leg spin is not going to offer too much. Do you think their up-tempo style of batting is going to work on these shores? I'd be inclined to say to say no. I think Australians, we just know our home grounds and conditions too well. I mean, when was Unless the- India's touring, in which case we forget everything. <laughs> yes, correct. Look, will, will they take it to the Australians? I think yes. Is there going to be some exciting... Cricket, again, yes, and, and definitely probably some high-octane moments, but is it enough to come away with a series win or a win? I, I, I'm doubtful. Oh, so you, you don't think they're going to win at all? I agree. I'm just giving you <laughs> – <laughs> just joking your chain of it. <laughs> yes. Um, look, I, I don't. I, I think there will be some, some exciting moments of cricket, but 
but I don't think that they will, no. No, like unless, and I say it every time I watch Pakistan bowl, but if Shaheen Shah Afridi can take 14 in about 12 overs, they're in for a great chance. Oh, a thousand percent. Anything outside of that, left arm fast, rockets coming down. I don't, what else do they have? I mean, they- what, what else do they have for their bowling? You're just shaking your head at me, but like that, that's, uh, I need to remind you that podcast is an audible medium. <laughs> I, honestly, uh, honestly, I, I wish fish. I could, um, I wish I could give you a, a more clear and concise answer, but I, I don't know that I have it. I mean, you, you tell me. Well, what, thanks what for are listening gonna, to no, Doofenite, no. everyone. This has been Oliver Crump with his rather in-depth insight. Just a quick one. <laughs> I mean, tell me, what, what do you think that they can, that they can bring in, you know, the bowling department? I asked you because I don't know. I, I don't know either. <laughs> Stop pulling faces at me and actually use your words. <laughs> no, genu- genuinely, I, I do not know. Well, one man who I think might have the answer to that is Adam Hassan, our Pakistan correspondent. He comes in with our Pakistan interjection. For those of you who have not listened to the podcast before, thank you for joining us on episode 98. But we've got correspondents all around the world who send us in tapes. I haven't heard them before. Oliver hasn't heard them before. We play these back. We interject if we think there's anything interesting to talk about. But mostly we're just here to hear the wonderful insights of Adam Hassan. So here he is. Pakistan in Australia. Historically always been a great series. Let's look at some of the recent scorelines. We'll take the last five series. In 1999... Pakistan played three tests in Australia and lost the series 3-0. 2004, another three-match series. This time Australia won 3-0. 2009, three-match series. Australia won 3-0. 2016, three-match series. Australia won 3-0. 2019, two-match series. Say it. Australia won 2-0. <laughs> So now we've got a three-match series coming our way. And the question is, are there any signs to suggest that this year is going to be any different? Just hold up there for a second, Adam. I'm so sorry. I couldn't keep it together. No disrespect to Adam there, Oliver. I'm sure you're trying to say But I feel like he just mirrored everything you just said. Yeah, and and so much more eloquently and a lot funnier. (laughs) (laughs) It's the delivery that really really (laughs) felt Oh, God. So, yeah, uh, Australia hasn't... uh, Pakistan hasn't not not won a series in Australia for the last five years. They haven't won a match. Well, now I feel a little bit better about what I was saying. (laughs) She kept asking me the questions and I'm like, mate, I don't know what to tell you here. I was just I was just setting you up for failure, I think. <laughs> Unintentionally or not. Yeah. Cause I did not I did not think it was that no. bad no. for them. Cause I remember a series, I think it was the 2015 one, if you mentioned 2015 or somewhere around there. My memory's gone too. Anyway. Mizbah Ulhaq's last series as captain with Yunus Khan's last series in the team as well. And Yunus played really, really well. Mizbah Ulhaq played really, really well. Like those matches to my memory, were close. I thought they at least snagged one test match. Evidently not. It's it's a worse record than England has in Australia since 2013. Yeah, and that's bad. It's really bad. Like, England has not won a test match in Australia since 2011. I just want everyone to remember Feels that. good saying it, though, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It really does. I thoroughly enjoy it. All right. Enough bagging out, England. Back to Adam. Short answer? No. 
I mean, batting, sure, we could definitely score some runs. I don't know if you guys remember, but in the last series, Yasser Shah scored 100. It was actually one of my favourite stats, that that century nicely coincided with Virat Kohli's dip in form. So for almost three years after that, Yasser Shah had a more recent international 100 than Virat Kohli, which was just a lovely thing to have over Indian fans. But the problem for Pakistan on this tour will be taking 20 wickets in a match. Naseem Shah is still injured, and Harris Raf didn't fancy it, deciding to play in the Big Bash instead. And now our leg spinner Abra Ahmed, who's taken 38 wickets in the six tests he's played so far, is most likely out of the first test as well, with some sort of niggle in his right leg. That leaves us with Shaheen Shah Afridi, Hassan Ali, Fahim Ashraf, and one of Mir Hamza, who's played three tests, or Kurram Shahzad, who hasn't played any. And then Naman Ali will likely play as the spinner. It's a decent attack, but playing away in Australia against a pretty gun batting lineup, I doubt it's going to do much damage. So for Pakistan fans, I say look away now. If you want to look into taking up another sport, from a Pakistan perspective, I'd say hockey and squash would be your go-tos. Field <laughs> hockey, of course, are national sport. And did you know that Pakistan have won more Hockey World Cups than any other country? We've won it four times, ahead of Australia, Germany and the Netherlands, who have all won three each. And as for squash, well, let me tell you the story of a certain Jahangir Khan. Jahangir Khan was born in Karachi on December the 10th, 1963. And Chris, you know what that means? Today is his 60th birthday. Big day for the podcast. In 1981, Jahangir Khan became the youngest ever squash world champion at the age of 17. In 1982, he won the World Open Championship again. In 1983, he won it again. In 1984, he won it again. In 1985, he won it again. And not just the World Open Championship. Over the course of five years and eight months, Jahangir Khan did not lose a single match. He won 555 squash matches in a row. To this day, that remains the longest unbeaten streak by any athlete in top-level professional sport. Absolute legend. And then, in November 1986, in the final of the World Open Championship, some Kiwi dude broke the streak. But Pakistan did not forget. And in particular, the Pakistan women's cricket team did not forget and did not forgive New Zealand. They held it in, close to their hearts. And this week, after 37 years, the Pakistan women's cricket team exacted their revenge on the small island nation of New Zealand by becoming the first Asian team to win a T20 match in New Zealand. Three days later, we won again in the second T20 to take the series. The first time the Pakistan women have won a T20 series outside of Asia or Ireland. And against a strong New Zealand side as well, this is a really impressive result from a Pakistan side that is on the up and definitely worth keeping an eye out for heading into the Women's T20 World Cup next year. Ah, there's Adam Hassan there. Thank you very much for that, Adam. I thoroughly appreciated your continuance of Chris Barty's (laughs) well-reviewed segment of uh, birthdays in (laughs) uh, not just cricket history, but now sporting history. So, Adam, 
did not have much to say for the uh, Pakistan men's test team. So he went on a rant about their undefeated squash player and then came up with some wonderful news for the Pakistan women's team, winning their first T20 series outside of Asia and Ireland against New Zealand. I mean, that, which is great. That is incredible. And and to the squash to the squash player, well done. Well, well done indeed. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big well done. But for the test team, things don't look as rosy. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look great when our Pakistan correspondent is uh, literally recording. says the words "look away now." <laughs> yeah, I don't want to watch this. As far as I know, Pakistan Adam Hassan was recently at a sojourn in Egypt. Uh, which he just got back from before he sent us this. So I think even he's looking away. He's just, he's going somewhere else while this test series is on. He might come back to us with a, a wrap at the start of the new year of just how dire it may have been for Pakistan. So Pakistan, if you're listening, the cricket team, Shan Masood, put this episode on as all the fuel you need to make a very exciting <laughs> test series for us. If you could, please and thank you. I mean, look, you never know. Crazier things have happened. I'm not not for the you know three 0 but a match maybe. I think Melbourne. I think Melbourne could be could be close. <laughs> maybe. Shall we go with that? Well, like yeah, Masu just scored a double hundred in the PM's eleven game. Like he's yeah, in form. Yeah. Babar Azam is always hoping he's going to be good. So at the very least, you've got two very strong batters there. But like you said in the bowling, their bowlers are either very old or they haven't played Test cricket. Yeah. Outside of Shaheen Shahafridi and Hasa Ali, there's not much there. It's very, very new, very, very new, uh, which which probably wouldn't fill many Pakistanis with confidence. No. <laughs> All right, so let's move on. Do you have anything you want to add, well, yeah, Mr. I mean, Crump? Before you, you do hold on, I, I thought I, I'd maybe take a quick minute myself and, and pay homage to, to Bardo because... Today is my first day on the pod. It's a very special day for me, if not slightly nerve-wracking one. <laughs> it's no doubt a special day for a lot of people for various reasons, but it was a very special day for a man by the name of Tip Foster in, oh, in no. 1903. <laughs> yes. No, no, no. You better I believe it, baby. You better I can't believe have it. the reins for one day, <laughs> and my new guest is doing everything that Pat Cullen hates about this show. <laughs> Well, look, it wasn't it wasn't his birthday. It was actually his English debut. And in fact, in in researching, a lot of famous faces have made their debut on this day. There was Graham Swan in two thousand and eight, BJ Watling a year later in two thousand and nine. Even one um, of my favourite players, BJ, yeah, the even, Kiwi um, wicketkeeper, Australian Ashley Nofke in in um, <laughs> two thousand and seven, who. Funnily and unfortunately for him, after walking out into the middle representing Australia for the very first time, he somehow made a diamond duck. (laughs) 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 So so after all the hype, his, his first match, his scorecard read, one dismissal, zero runs, zero balls faced. Now, those are numbers that I can aspire to. <laughs> yes. No, but look, I mean, the the person I'm here for and we're all here for today is Tip Foster. He was an English cricketer who made an astonishing, unlike Ashley Nofke, 
287 on debut against Australia at the SCG in 1903. Which oh, wow. It's the highest score by a debutante ever. He only played another seven tests after that, including captaining a series against South Africa in uh, 1907. He was also an incredibly talented footballer or soccer player and played for England on five occasions. Also, we use footballer here. Alex, we use footballer. We're sports nuffies. We say football. <laughs> also, Alex, captaining one of them, which makes Tip the only man in history to have captained England in both football and cricket. Which, oh, wow. Incredible, right? I wouldn't imagine Ben Stokes, you know, waltzing out to play in the, the football World Cup anytime oh, soon. Oh, no, he's got dodgy knees. He can barely walk out into a cricket pitch. Like, I think it's amazing that, you know, was at least Perry played football and cricket for Australia, and Ash Barty yeah. was a cricketer as well as uh, How they astonishing tennis player. I have player. no idea. It's astonishing. But you think, looking at this guy's stats, you'd think this man is is destined for a long career, right? He's, he's <laughs> I don't getting, like where this is he's going. Getting, he's getting ready for an illustrious, long, long career but unfortunately passed away from from diabetes uh, not long after his final match at the ripe old age of 36. I feel terrible that I'm laughing at this point. You're laughing the whole way through this guy's eulogy. I mean, this guy has such a crazy life, you know. So do you, sir, Foster, I tip my hat. Well, I I I don't have a hat. I will tip my glass. Or not, sorry, not tip my glass. I'll raise my glass. Let's raise a glass to Tip Foster instead of Tip. <laughs> to you, sir, Tip Foster. Thank you. Okay, very nice. Thank you for that segment, Ollie. I'll be sure to get you back for another one once this is done. So I think it's time that we, we talk about the Australian team. So we've got, you'd assume, the same lineup from the Ashes series is going to be the lineup for this series. Yeah. Um, all the bowlers seem to have pulled up all right. So odds are Warner and Kawaja up top, Labashane, Smith, Head, Marsh or Green, which mm-hmm. we'll talk about, Ash, uh, Alex Carey with the gloves and Stark, Hazelwood, Cummins and Lyon has recovered from his injury mm-hmm. from the Ashes. So you'd assume that will be the lineup. The only thing up for grabs is that number six spot. Yes. So on batting form... Mitchell Marsh, by a mile, by an absolute mile. Bowling utility, it's green by an absolute mile. Mitchell Marsh, so injury prone with it. He, I think he bowled maybe eight, ten overs in the World Cup. They got a couple of overs out of him towards the latter stages of the Ashes. They didn't mm-hmm. go well. Cam Green is the much preferred bowling option there. So where do you think the balance sits? Green there as the fifth bowler allows Stark to go in short bursts. It allows Cummins to rest himself. It allows Hazelwood to rest. Nathan Lyon can bowl all day holding down an end. Do we put Green in to continue his test education or should he go back to shield cricket and just play a season, maybe come in against the Windies for a bit of a tune-up before heading overseas next year? Where do you sit? I'm I'm pretty firm on this one in that, I think it needs to go to to Marsh. I mean, with the with the bowling attack that we have, and let's not forget, you've got you know Travis Head and Steve Smith as well that can can 
pop in some overs, even even Labashane. I was about to say, Marnus is crying that his name was not in that sentence. <laughs> do do you really need you know a utility bowler or or a, an extra bowler? Like I'm not so sure, and I think it's it's made up in Mitch Marsh's batting a thousand percent. Yeah, because Green Green. You know, he's he's scored a couple of, you know, a good 70, a good 60 here and there. He's scored some very slow 20, some very slow, low numbers, which is so far away from his form as a Sheffield Shield batter where he has opened the batting for WA and averaged over 50 strikes at 85, 90 in first-class cricket. It's a different role for him, obviously. It's a different game. I understand yeah. that. But he's he just does not look himself batting at six for Australia. No, he doesn't. And and I think you're right in that he needs to go back to to Sheffield Shield and and possibly, you know, hone his, his craft a little more or even just feel a little more comfortable playing at the top level or playing again, you know. I mean, he's you gotta forget he's he's young. He's twenty-three or twenty-four, I think he is. You know, he's a he's a young guy. Go back, take another, you know, six months, year, two years, whatever it is, and and come back when you're ready. But who's going to be our iron giant at gully with mitts the size of saucepans <laughs> and a reach that Treebeard himself would be envious of? God, he's pretty good, isn't he? plucks catches he's, inches off the dirt. He is pretty good. He's so good yeah. at gully. Like, Mitchell Marsh is a good fielder. Like a lot of Australian players, he's a good fielder. But Cameron Green is something else. He he is. You're right. He's, he's got big mitts and, man, that ball sticks. When it Wait. comes in his direction, it sticks. What does Pat Cullen call him? He's the two-metre mountain of meat in gully. <laughs> mountain of meat. He's just a two-metre mountain of meat. Man <laughs> mountain of meat in gully. And whilst... <laughs> this is effectively a Perth-created podcast, and they do love the bison here. Mm-hmm. Cam Green's also a Perth boy, so it's not exactly like anti-Perth sentiment that I, I would prefer Cam Green. Speaking of bison, have you heard the story how he got the nickname bison? No. So he was on, I can't remember which podcast it was, might have been The Great Cricketer. Could have just been Cricket Australia, Vox Pops. Anyway, he was given the nickname by Jason Gillespie, Dizzy Gillespie, our great South Australian fast bowler with a mullet that you could just frame and keep on your mantelpiece. He just one day started calling Mitch Marsh bison because a bison apparently has a massive head. <laughs> and Mitchell Marsh, I don't know if anyone's noticed, he's got a big noggin. I think the stat was that bison's apparently have a 200 kilo head. God. That's a, that is a large it's a noggin. It's a big head. That's a, a big, big noggin. Head. And so Mitch Marsh got the nickname from Dizzy Gillespie as Bison. He didn't like it. He was a young man. <laughs> uh, he did not like being called Bison. He did not like being likened to a giant <laughs> member of the animal kingdom because of his large head. And so he turned to Dizzy and he said, don't call me Bison. And what did that do? It made every single person he's ever met call him Bison for the rest of his life. Now, as an older, more mature man, he settled into it. He mentioned that there is a Bison emoji when you're texting people, and that kind of G's him up. If he sees that, he's like, yeah, I'm an emoji. He's into it now. He's into it now. He is. He's he's taken the nickname. It's a part of him now. 
Good. The bison. But Good. as a younger man, he did not like it. I mean, you can kind of understand why. You look at a bison. <laughs> you look at Mitch Marsh. Like, the similarities. <laughs> They're quite stuck. No, but you look at a bison and you kind of go, God, that's a dumb, dumb big creature, isn't it? <laughs> have Have you seen the test? The Amazon doco? <laughs> Mitch Marsh is just air drumming in the background trying to piss off Justin Langer. Like, I wouldn't say that was a decision made with many brain cells. <laughs> All right, you, you can delete that last bit I said. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to send it to him. <laughs> Take it back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of WA players, I'm sure Pat's going to talk about this. We do have a tape from our Lord and Saviour and creator, Pat Cullen. But Mitchell Marsh has been in the news he has been, s- not Mitchell Marsh, Mitchell Johnson. I ruined that entire oh. setup and I'm not deleting it. We almost learned from our mistakes. Jeez. Mitchell Johnson. Alex, don't- you're jumping in there. And I was like, what on earth has Mitch Marsh been in the news for? Oh, he's, play- he's playing cricket for Australia. I'm aware of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why he's in the news because he's a public figure. Mitchell Johnson has been <laughs> slanging David Warner off in the press again with a rather vehement... Uh, diatribe that David Warner should just be dropped straight out. Yeah, and he doesn't get to choose his final test being in Sydney. That is up to the selectors, and his form has not warranted it. And especially after the sandpaper scandal, he should, probably just shouldn't be in the team at all. Yeah. Oh God, it's pretty awkward. <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny. Awkward. <laughs> yeah. Like it's especially more difficult. Thanks for coughing. Appreciate that. It's a lot more difficult for the selectors because Warner did, you know, earlier this year say the next Sydney test in about 10 months' time will be my last test, daring the selectors to drop him because he knew he was coming up to a series in England and he knew he was going to average less than 30. And he did. And we're all aware of that. And they were daring. He was daring them to drop him. And they didn't. And now it's probably too late. Like, yeah. you ideally, you want to bring in, they're not even new test batters, but like, what are the options? Marcus Harris for the 17th time. Yeah. Cameron Bancroft again, who after the Sandpaper scandal came back in an Ashes series in England, didn't last two tests, hasn't played again. And Matt Renshaw, who just scored 100 in the PM's 11 game as well, who's my pick, Mm. who he has opened and he did play that one game while suffering with COVID earlier this year. Those are the options. You want to bring them in on a home summer. And two games against the West Indies after the Sydney test is not a reintroduction to test cricket at this stage. No. I mean, look, the the whole situation, I think it's, it's a bit awkward. Like, Yes, from Mitchell oh, Johnson. I mean, he, look, it's pretty ruthless, right? But does he kind of have a point? I mean, does does David deserve, does Warner deserve a, a decent send-off? Look, for being in the Australian team as long as he has, yes. But has he deserved to be there as long as he has? I don't think so. I mean, he's averaged, what, less than... 27 across his last 36 test innings. Yeah, I think it's like 25.04. In yeah. three years. Yeah, you take out, I think he scored a double ton against South Africa last year. You take that out and you're looking at 20, like tail end of territory, Oof. you know, Oof. from 36 test innings. Doesn't Todd Murphy average 20 <laughs> <laughs> from his four games? 
I think so. Todd Murphy or Jack Leach, one of them. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I bet, and and the fact that he's he's finishing with a lifetime leadership ban. You know, like it's it, uh, he is quite a divisive figure, and I think the no, whole, is the he? whole okay the whole scenario surrounding him and the last probably three or four years has been very divisive. And I think that question purely depends on who you ask and their view. I'm personally not a huge fan and think that he probably deserved to be dropped, you know, 36 tests ago. Oh, so you're a couple of years ago. Maybe not a couple of years ago, but he he hasn't had the form for a long time to realistically stay in. He's he's hung around kind of on, on goodwill and past performances. Then, like you said, he's announced his retirement 10 months away from it it happening where you've kind of put the selectors in a bit of a pickle by saying don't do it you wouldn't do it would you would you do it you're too you scared do it. you're too scared yeah well he but every now and then and it's always at home that where he spikes up and he gets that double ton he gets his that triple century in the last Pakistan series that was here like he he hits big and he's the only player that we have that goes big like Smith famously for a even in his purple patch, struggled in the 190s. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Warner tends to uh, tip the scale. Such a terrible but it place is. to struggle. I know. It's the worst. He's just, he really needs to go back and work on the basics. If only I struggled in the 190s. I seem to struggle in that, in that first lot of 10. <laughs> <laughs> that first 50 balls I face, <laughs> scoring yes. three runs and two of them are glances <laughs> to leg. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That were meant to go through covers. <laughs> oh, they were cut. Yeah, they were absolute French cuts that like trickled down to, to surely. Yeah. So that's David Warner. But Shall I mean, we bring, hear- bring in Renshaw? That's what I think. I think bring in Renshaw. He's he's clearly shown his inform. I mean, even even Bancroft, who's had a pretty stellar couple of seasons in in Sheffield Shield, but Renshaw's young. He's he's got like a long future ahead of him. Use this summer now as the summer to, you know, trial the team of the future. You know, you've got three or four bowlers all over 33, 34. I can't imagine Kouage is going to hang around for too much longer. Yes, Smith isn't long yeah. either. Alex Carey is not a young bloke. I'll go like, we've got, we've got an old team. I've got to go picketing down at the MCG. Bring in Renshaw. He's a Queenslander, mate. Maybe head up there. Well, and that's the other thing with Renshaw uh, that I have with Bancroft and Harris is they are so similar to James Vince, the English opener. Bancroft, not so much because he hasn't had as many shots at it as Harris did. And Harris had, since Sandpaper Gate, he got the run as the opener, the replacement for David Warner for a long period of time. And we didn't do that well. Uh, Marcus Harris consistently, like James Vince, is the top run scorer in Sheffield Shield. I think a lot of that helps Harris is that he plays at the MCG, which is the flattest, mm-hmm. most boring track outside of Abu Dhabi. So he gets a lot of his runs there. He does get them in other places, but Australian pitches over the last 10 years have decreased in spiciness, shall we say. Like the Wacker was a wonderful spicy pitch. The mm. Gab is the only one that you get a real spicy one. And then sometimes it's the greenest thing you've ever seen in the game's over in two days. But consistently highest run scorers and then you put them in test cricket and James Vince gets bowled around his legs, Mitchell Stark, first ball of an Ashes game. Yeah. Like Harris, again. It's a beautiful side, isn't it? 
Oh, that was that was beautiful. Uh, as Shane, the late great Shane Warne called it, a half volley on leg stump did him in. But Marcus Harris's little bunny hop to start when a ball's coming in, it doesn't serve him well in Test cricket. He's found out consistently just a little bit of movement. Harris is gone. Bancroft hasn't had the extended run, but he is he's thirty one. He's thirty two. I think Renshaw takes it when Warner's gone. Renshaw come in. Open for Australia against the West Indies. I'm I'm on that same train. Get me a ticket because I agree. Good, Andrew McDonald, you're listening. <laughs> anyway, let us move to the tape from our Lord and Saviour PC, shall we? David Warner has spoken for the first time since Mitchell Johnson's sting criticism of his cricket and character. The opener has vowed to fight for his Australian spot and earn his dream test farewell next month. Must quite lead into the test summer. <laughs> Wouldn't it be a summer without a headline, would there? Johnson claims Warner hasn't taken responsibility for the ball tampering saga and doesn't deserve an SCG test send-off. You gotta fight for your right to Yes, indeed, g'day, fellas. It's your favourite new Australian correspondent, the poor man's Alex Spinks, me, Patrick Cullen. Sitting at home this time, being able to chill out and just drop in with the tape. What a treat, what a dream. Well, bloody hell, boys, what a wild ride, eh? Mitch Johnson out of nowhere just comes and poleaxes Davy. Sean Mashthood hits a cheeky 201 red. Threats of releasing the wild thing at the Wacker. Well, Perth Stadium technically, but it's better alliteration. And all in all, it's heating up faster than Sydney last Saturday when the Mercury pushed 45. No, not that Mercury. That's a Queen joke. Anyway, so listen, let's let's deal with Davey first. Now, Davey Warner, in all likelihood, if we're just talking about him in the third person, uh, having never met the bloke, is probably not a great guy to be around. I'm, I'm happy to go out on a limb and say Ooh. that. The dude looks like a pest. And the sandpaper situation was the biggest low point in cricket in my lifetime. But... Anyone with two eyes in their head and a beating heart in their chest can say that a full year ban from the game is an unprecedented punishment. Think of your Faf Duplessis, your Michael Atherton's, your Afridis, who all ball tampered to varying degrees and got nowhere near the same level of punishment. We have to believe in rehabilitation. We have to believe in second chances. Otherwise, and I speak for everyone on this podcast and most people listening to it, otherwise... We're all f***ed. I disagree wholeheartedly. <laughs> I, I have never would. done anything wrong in my life. <laughs> that is all I want to say, but the aspersions that are being cast on me and my fellow correspondents by technically our boss is disgraceful. <laughs> I've threatened forming a podcaster workers union on previous episodes, and I think I just might get it done. Shall we, shall we do it, Alex? <laughs> Oh, you're going to join? You're going to, I'm going to take over? I'm going to stage a revolt? I'll see what the viewer numbers are for this podcast and then I'll get back to you. <laughs> I don't think they display negative numbers. Anyway, let's go, let's go back to Pat. So may I say, 
Settle down, Jono. Just settle down, big fella. Uh, we hear where you're coming from, but this really does feel like the call is coming from inside the house. You know what I mean? Cullen said in the press this week that he felt like this saga has taken away from the Aussies World Cup victory. And I have to say, I think he's right. It's further evidence that we should have had a bloody ticker tape parade. We were one ticker tape parade away from this all being, you know, part of the world, part of the universe that we live in. But as it is, it's become the focus. So look, first test starts this week at Perth Stadium, and I can think we can expect to see a pretty unchanged Australian side. Warner, Kawaja, Mana, Smith, Trav, Mitch Marsh, Carey, Cummins, Stark, Hazelwood, Lyon, and Cameron Green running the drinks. Maybe we also say a nice 96 to Cam Green relatively recently. We love to see it. We love to see it. We also would say, gentlemen, that we are odds-on favourites to roll Pakistan here. And I mean both in this first test and in this series. If Pakistan come out and manage to put on a good piece of competition in Australian conditions, I think they could probably consider that a win. This Australian side is incredibly strong. Just from the World Test Championship, retain the Ashes overseas, Nathan Lyons back. You know, it's going to be very, very, very challenging for them. Um, Masood was imperious for his 200. He looked amazing. Um, and, you know, they did also look a bit sloppy in the field, may we say. The seven in the field to give away uh, Renshaw's 50 was pretty hilarious. If they continue that sort of action, it could be a long three-test series for Pakistan. So look, failing some incredible batting from Masood and Azam and a couple of other guys that Adam Hassan has probably talked up immensely, and some brilliant bowling um, from their vaunted pace attack, I think we're going to see the Aussies bat big, take poles, and have this bad boy wrapped up in three days. May I eat humble pie? May the humble pie descend upon me like the rains in Africa? But uh, I doubt it, fellas. You, me, bench post, I doubt it. I think what's going to happen here is we're going to roll them. We're going to roll them pretty hard. And look, you know... I've been wrong in the past. I'll be wrong again. But all I can say is, fellas, warm up those ovens. He's coming in hot, boys. He's coming in hot. Let's go. Brilliant. Woo! Oh, there's Pat Cullen there. Thank you very much, Pat, for joining us. I know you are busy planning your wedding, which will be on, as I have mentioned previously, during the Sydney test, but in Perth. So I appreciate you being able to take time out of your busy schedule to join us here. Mate, he kind of rehashed what we're saying, but he said it a lot with a lot more conviction than we did. We're just going to roll them. Yeah. Adam says we're going to roll them. Pat says we're going to roll them. Freddie Mercury says we're going to roll them. That Pakistani squash player probably thinks we're going to roll them. (laughs) I mean, it looks that way, doesn't it, Sphinx? Just a little. Yeah, just a lot. Like you said, this this squad, when when they're on song, we are difficult to beat in anywhere other than Indian conditions. And even then, we can snag a win here or there. Yeah. Do you you think we'll see the likes of, uh, of Lance Morris? Okay, because because yes. question. Paddy kind of I got alluded so excited. To it. I need my table. Paddy kind of alluded to it, and my ears pricked up, and I went, "Will we? Sure. Like 
I, definitely not in Perth. Not this no, first. No, no, no. Not this first test back. I doubt we'll see him at the MCG. You don't want to waste. Like he's got a history of back injuries. Like a lot of express pace bowlers. He is young. Like he's only twenty three. I think not even. He said he's itching to go for a debut, but you don't want to waste him on a Melbourne deck. Yes. I don't think we'll see him face Pakistan. Oh, God. Unless, unless Stark or Hazel An injury comes into it, sure. Yeah. The other thing that I think is because he is best used, like Mitchell Johnson, a la 2013-2014 against England and South Africa, he is best used in short bursts so he can wind up, bowl at 155 and get that ball down the other end as quickly as he possibly can. Yeah, and he's quick. And to do, he's so fast. God. But to do that, we need that fifth bowler. We need Cam Green in the number six because when Johnson was doing his best, we had a lineup of Johnson, Harris, Siddle, Lyon, and Shane Watson. Yeah. And Shane Watson wasn't quick, but Shane Watson was scarily accurate and could swing and seam the ball at about 45 Ks an hour. <laughs> Yes. Which is difficult to do. Like if you've ever had those like half trackers that barely reach you as a batter and you just hoik it straight to mid wicket. <laughs> yeah. The tri- you know how dangerous Shane Watson can Not be. only the double bounce, the triple bounce. <laughs> <laughs> My specialty. <laughs> but yeah, so if Lance Morris is to come in, I think Cam Green has to be in the squad as well. So that's why I don't think we'll see him against Pakistan, but I think we will see both of them back in the test squad against the West Indies for tests at the Gabba, which will be great for Lance Morris and in Adelaide. Yeah. Um, look, I'm I'm hoping we do get to see him. I think he's young, he's quick and exciting. And I, I think you're right. I, I didn't quite take that into account about, you know, using him in short bursts and then having to to have a, another backup bowler. I do think you're right, but I, but I really hope we see him at some point this summer. Agreed. All right, so I think we're pretty close to the end there. Is there anything else that you want to throw my way before I end this joyride through cricket analysis and silliness? Off the top of my head, no. Genuinely thought you had another segment lined up for me. I'm thoroughly disappointed. I was such a layup to you. Oh. I I, I thought we had on this day going for about 10 hours. Mate, no, it just gives you time to think of another one for next episode. Make Chris Barty proud. I'll, um, I'll come with my bag fully packed next time. Don't you worry. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, you left your kid at home. I understand. <laughs> this was a bit rushed. I'm borrowing. I'm borrowing uh, my friend's pads and and bat today. So yeah. Well, you're down in sunny Melbourne. You left all your stuff back here in Sydney. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, in that case, thank you very much for joining us, everyone. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. Thank you very much to Pat for sending us in a tape. Thank you very much to Adam for sending us through that little sojourn through Pakistani sporting achievements outside of cricket. And thank you very much, Crump, for joining me for this episode. I really appreciate it, mate. We could not have done this episode without you. Hope you had fun. Thank you. I had a blast and I'll uh, I'll see you on the next one. That remains to be seen. (laughs) So, as always, everyone... Join us after the next test. The test starts December 14th against Pakistan. It will hopefully go to December 18th, but according to Pat and Adam, it will be done by December 15th. We'll have a wrap-up of that, a preview for the Boxing Day test, and then we'll come back to you sometime before the new year after that. So, only thing I want to say at the end, Crump, feel free to join in if you remember, but go those Aussies! Go those Aussies! Go those 
Two for None is created by Patrick Cullen and Chris Barty. This episode, presented by Alexander Spinks and Oliver Crump, featuring Adam Hassan and Pat Cullen. The episode was produced by Patrick Cullen at Ginger Snap Productions and edited by Mike Wilcox at Midnight Publishing. Featured clips and music this episode include Don't Stop Me Now by Queen, Universal Music 1974, and audio clips from Channel 9 News, 9th of December 2023. All music is used in conjunction with APRA AMCOS online mini-license. Contact apra.com.au for details. You can check us out at gingersnapsydney.com. Make sure you like, rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, share on your social media and get the word out that Teeth for None is a bloody great podcast. We swear even my mum listens to it on occasion. We will be back after the next test with a full wrap-up and in the meantime, go those Aussies! Hello? I'd like to speak to the nanny, please. Uh, no, 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 not for childcare. The, the actual nanny, the, the one that's been doing the, all the protesting uh, about the AI taking over the actors and writers? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I, I think we have a problem. What do you mean she's not available? Well, can you put me onto her Australian equivalent? Okay, great, thanks. Yeah, that's right, two for none. Australia's favourite cricket comedy podcast. Well, the funniest thing happened. I um, have been in discussions with the uh, producers of the show and uh, I need to take a, a hiatus for the summer um, while I um, get ready for Pat's wedding and uh, then subsequently recover from Pat's wedding. And the thing is that um, I was handed this script, which frankly was so robotic that I can only assume it was written by robots. And then when I failed to turn in my lines, um, due to the significant amount of vomit that was uh, curdling in the back of my throat from having to read such garbage, uh, I, uh, I I disappeared from the script entirely. I, I think I've been annihilated by robots. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it could be OpenAI. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Is that guy still in charge? Is he with Microsoft? I, I don't know. Look, um... I don't want to make a big deal about it. I just think we need to tell people that uh, the apocalypse is coming. Super intelligence has taken over. And, uh, well, God help us for the summer. All right. Okay, thanks. Bye.